Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. I have a wonderful treat for you today from the great city of Chicago. Our guest's name is Mert Isery. He's the CEO at SwipeSense. Mert is the young Turk of design. His journey started off in Istanbul, Turkey, and changed courses completely once he arrived at Northwestern's McCormick School of Engineering. After graduating with his own degree in the spring of 2011, he's excited to embrace design and entrepreneurship to galvanize a generation into positive change. He picked healthcare, of course, to do that. During his time in Northwestern, he co-founded Design for America, a national network of students that leads design studios working to create social impact. And currently, as I mentioned, he's the co-founder and CEO of SwipeSense, a company that aims to save the 100,000 deaths that occur every year in the U.S. due to HAIs, hospital-acquired infections. So it's with a tremendous pleasure that I welcome this fellow Chicagoan, Mert, to the podcast. Welcome, my friend. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure, Mert. And so tell me, what is it that catapulted you into the medical sector? Ever since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was one of those kids with the candy racket in the elementary school. <laughs> I, was, I was selling things in nice. high school. I was organizing events. To me, it was just what I wanted to become when I grew up. I was just sort of waiting to grow up, I guess. I, I, guess <laughs> nice. I never waited. But part of me that feels really, really passionately about the craft of entrepreneurship is that the end game is to truly create impact. It mm -hmm. was back then, it is now, I hope that it will be in the future, that it's about the improvement that you create in society, in people's lives, that are tangible and measurable. I don't get as excited about potentially selling ads online. I mean, nothing against businesses that do that. Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful, it's amazing. I'm glad to have Instagram in my life. But at the same time, in terms of finding the good fight, I wanna save lives. Like, I want to do something that matters. And one thing that I found over and over and over again, you can walk into a hospital and start chewing gum and you will probably save someone's life. It's an amazing, <laughs> amazing privilege to be in healthcare because ultimately you know that all the sleepless nights, all the hard work, all the effort that goes into it, it truly made someone's life better. It's the kind of future that I want to live in because of the change that we're creating in, in hospitals. So I find it infinitely rewarding 
to know that your work has a social impact component to it. And, and I'm the biggest capitalist in the world. I don't think it, it takes away anything from the business's viability. If anything, it adds because it's a, it's a tremendous joy to be a part of it for myself and all of our team members. Mert, there's no doubt that you are passionate about what you do. (laughs) I love the energy that you bring. We had a chance to connect here before on some of the local happenings. And you know what? It's true. With healthcare being so complex, it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm excited to dive into some of the things that you have done and things that you've unlocked to make healthcare better. On that note, what would you say a hot topic that you feel needs to be on every medical leader's agenda? And how are you guys approaching it? Consumerism and healthcare. I think healthcare is on the verge of an earthquake, of realizing how much of the quality of care that exists in the hospital is actually directly tied to the value of hospitals' brands. Hospitals spend a tremendous amount of time and energy to market their services by you know, taking up billboards and running ads. And of course, this is a fight and everybody wants to capture as much market share as possible. But realizing that the single biggest thing you can do is actually improve someone's experience during their care. So they become ultimately repeat customers. Gasp, what an amazing new idea. That has to be on the forefront. The first question that every hospital CEO has to ask when they start their there and the last question that they ask when they're leaving the building is, how have we created a brand positive experience for our patients that come through these doors because we know that more people have access to their information than ever before. More people are talking about the time they spent in the hospital. More people are recommending things online anonymously or tied to their identity. And the fact that that doesn't sort of take up the decision-making process in the hospitals is extremely bewildering to me. And it's you know somewhat disturbing as well. It almost shows that this monopoly mindset that has existed in healthcare for a long time continues to, to exist. And hospitals that have made the leap in understanding that they're running a service business that just happens to serve folks who, who want to gain their health is a big shift in mindset that has to be every medical leader's mindset right now. I think that's a really great call out. And we're approaching this, uh, you know, big thing that's happened, uh, listeners, as you all know, is this big increase in, in the deductible that we have to pay. That is making it more real for us. This absolutely, this term. basically, it's money leaving your pocket. I mean, we always talk about healthcare costs versus healthcare prices. I think once you have a deductible that you have to pay three, four grand for, that cost yep. becomes a price, and it's you real. are much more conscientious about who you receive that service from. And it's again, it's basic things. I mean, I don't want to wait in a line in an amusement park or in a hospital. So it's not necessarily new things that hospitals need to start realizing. They just need to recognize that their customers, their patients have a different worldview now and they have to adopt accordingly. No, that's a great call out, Mert. So talk to us about SwipeSense. What are you guys doing to help these systems be more consumer centric? Tell us a little bit about what SwipeSense does and how you guys are doing things differently to create results. We have a very simple uh, value add to the healthcare operations. We basically improve healthcare performance metrics. And I like to think of these as boring things like, are my doctors and nurses washing their hands appropriately? And in exchange, what we get by improving these metrics like hand hygiene is we improve patient outcomes. I mean, everybody sort of knows that if you wash your hands more, you get less infections inside the hospital, but it's extremely difficult to measure and extremely difficult to change. It's a cultural issue. Uh, People don't like to be told what to do, all sorts of things that come into way. But ultimately, what I want hospitals to realize is 
we basically shift the conversation around performance indicators like hand hygiene into things that are predictable improvements. Again, these aren't things you should worry about measuring and improving and, and having a dashboard for. These are things that should just improve over time. So this is exactly what SwipeSense does for hospitals. And, and to our point on healthcare as, as a consumer and healthcare as a choice, uh, healthcare as something that people will now have optionality in, I think it's increasingly important that hospitals get the basics right. People go to the hospital not to spend time there, but to get better. And if I'm going to have a hip surgery, I want to be discharged in exactly the same time that my doctor told me to do. I don't want there to be any complications in my care. And I want to enjoy my lunch while I'm there. But really, number one and two first. And the, and the right. third can wait. So <laughs> our organization's value is almost this holy grade of predictability in healthcare by basically allowing hospitals to do exactly what they tell their patients to do. Uh, and we've started from hand hygiene. We've seen some tremendous results accordingly. And now we're expanding into additional bottlenecks inside the hospital. Very cool. Very cool. Now, if we dive deeper into your hand hygiene application, for instance, what sets you apart? Like, what is it that you guys do to make it easier? Very, very straightforward. Hospitals today use pen and paper to solve this problem. They basically have what they call secret observers that are obviously not so secret because they're your colleagues with a pen and paper right. in the corner of a hallway. But they basically just watch their peers. And every unit has to do a certain number of observations per week, per month, and they analyze it, and nothing happens. This is our largest competition. This is our status quo. Now, about five years ago, uh, companies like SwipeSense started attacking this space. And now it's a very, very crowded uh, opportunity with cutthroat competition amongst uh, companies. And the reason why SwipeSense is different is we've sort of separated this into two problems. One of them is a technology problem. How can we install something in an affordable manner? How can we not disrupt workflow? How can we give you a sensor that you don't have to recharge? All the good things that make the Apple phone better than some Android phone. These are right. things that are intuitive and well-designed. But I almost view it as half the problem. SwipeSense is basically easy to implement, much more affordable than your, your competition. But ultimately, what it does differently than anyone else is that we are obsessed with what you do with this data. I fundamentally do not believe that it's good enough for me to simply give a graphic or a number to a hospital and hope that they will get better. And by the way, the starting point for these hospitals is much worse than people anticipate. The average hospital starts from 30 to 40% compliance in their hand hygiene improvement journey, which is a very disturbing and scary number. But it's even scarier when you're tasked to improve this number. It's easy to get 80% to 90%. Much, right. much harder when you're starting off from 30 and your perception is that you're at 90%. So we spend an awful lot of time trying to understand the behavioral economics behind why people act a certain way inside the hospital. And it is fascinating. So we have the most number of customers in this space because we really took an obsessive approach into figuring out what ticks people, what motivates them, what rewards them. And ultimately, we do a fantastic job in, in getting that predictable improvement over time versus just a dashboard and sort of a good luck wish in terms of improvement down the road. Love that. I love that, Mert. Thanks for walking us through that. Listeners, if you have any curiosity about this, uh, just go to swipesense.com. You'll find the hand hygiene module there. And uh, they also give you a nice downloadable case study where you could take a look at some of the things that they've done, validated 
backed by hospitals that have actually gone through this process. Very cool work that you guys are up to there, Mert. Tell me something. Give me an example of a time when you guys had a setback. And what did you learn from that setback? What helped you guys keep going? Absolutely. You know, early on, our product looked nothing like it is today. You know, believe it or not, the reason why we're called SwipeSense is because we had a portable dispenser. And the original idea was it's as easy as swiping your hands on your pants. It's the intuitive gesture of hand hygiene. And we thought all we have to do is take the dispenser on the wall and put it into a a little dispenser and attach it to your hips. And ta-da, it's going from the wall-mounted phone to the cell phone. That's what we want to do. And the company is SwipeSense because it just makes sense. Turns out this was not such a good idea (laughs) because (laughs) healthcare workers have so much on them that they really don't want one more thing. Even if it's a tiny card that we're giving them right now, it's Mm -hmm. one more thing for them to carry around. And that's a big no-no. In our early dispensers, I mean, I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. It looked like this egg, the top half came off. It was this unique design and we patented the cartridge. We were so excited about this only to realize that nobody wanted it. And that's a hard thing tough. to realize, that's you know, tough. because you yeah. love your baby. As ugly yep. as she is, you love your baby. <laughs> but that really sort of was a humbling moment because it made us realize a very, very important lesson early on. Just because a problem is there doesn't mean that it's worth solving. It was incredibly difficult to design this wearable dispenser that weighed a certain amount, that had a cartridge that was cheap to manufacture, that easily attached, that did not leak. We spent a tremendous amount of energy, only to realize it was actually a pretty stupid idea. It turns out that all you have to do was build a handful of these prototypes, give it to people and watch them for a week for you to realize that this would never work. Sure, there's these little bottles that people carry around, but it's really for maybe 5% of healthcare workers. And really for the 95%, you got to do something with the Walmart and dispenser. This is, like I've said, a humbling moment. But it taught us this lesson early on. So now we're incredibly skeptical. Doesn't mean that we doubt our success or don't have conviction that the end game is meaningful. It just means that we have very, very, very questioning approaches. Whenever we come up with a new application or a new service or a new feature, we go out there and ask some pretty tough questions for our potential buyers or users to see if it actually moves the needle for them. And if it doesn't, we're brave enough to say that we were wrong earlier in the process rather than, you know, living it out and spending tons of time and energy into making them a reality. That was a large setback. It took us about a year and a half to realize this, but I think I gained about 20 years for the rest of my life in terms of the future mistakes that we're going to avoid because of this. That's a great way to to look at it, Mert. You had a setback that cost you some time, but now you're looking at it as an investment that's going to help you avoid losing more time in the future. Absolutely. Every mistake is an experience as long as you learn from it. There's no such thing as failure, only experiences in life. Love that, my friend. I love that. So listeners, take that and implement it into your current product or focus. If you're a company or even a provider for that matter, working on a a current project or a focus area, before you go all the way in and bake everything, pressure test it against your market, pressure test it against the users before you move any further because it'll save you a lot of time and it'll get you the insights that you need to make an impactful product. What would you say, Mert, is one of your proudest leadership moments that you've experienced to date? I was reviewing this and thinking through it. One of our customers held a fireside chat and we were at the APIC meeting 
I think it was two weeks ago. This is the Super Bowl of infection control. This is where oh, all the yeah, media yeah. are. And this is our, our, our one time of the year where we get to meet our most number of customers. And we've been going there for five years. And it was sort of as a reminder, a five-year anniversary on anything is sort of a nice little checkpoint for you to realize, oh, we've been doing this for a little bit. You know, we're a company that's six <laughs> yeah. and a half years old. It was my fifth time there. Obviously, I grew as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a CEO, as a student of healthcare, as I like to call it. But we held a fireside chat where we really wanted to sort of put ourselves to the test. And we took one of our customers. We took 20 of our prospects. We got everyone in a room and we said, look, we're going to do something quite unorthodox. We're not going to moderate or lead a conversation. It's really raw and ask anything. Ask our customer whatever they would like or you would like to know because uh, we ultimately believe that they tell the story the best. Yes. And this is one of our healthcare network partners. They're based in Tennessee. And, and she shared the story of how the first hospital that they implemented SwipeSense had 23 infections in the previous year. 23, almost two infections per month. Yeah. They implemented SwipeSense in December of last year, so December 2017, and they sort of have been looking very closely for the first six months, and really, this was the first time that they were publicly talking about their outcomes. And again, us going into it was a little bit of a surprise as well, because again, we've, we wanted to take a chance in here and truly become vulnerable in front of our, our, our prospects and say, look, this is, uh, you guys are getting a real partner. She said, since the beginning of the year, we've had one hospital-acquired infection in the Nice. Hospital. And she shared with us how in this hospital now, they don't talk about decreasing their HAI. They talk about infections as something that should never happen. Hmm. They have this big sign. You know, I don't know if you have ever been to a factory, but usually they'll have days since last accident. Yes, yes. Somebody has got an accident mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a thing that should never happen. Like that number should be a big number every time you look at it. In this hospital, they have a big sign that says days since last infection. And again, it's such a change in mindset. Huge, huge change. To hear that from a customer and say, look, we think differently about these things now. It's a big shift. We are an organization that simply does not do this. In this hospital, the center is that you do not get an infection. And it might happen, but it's really strange. And we're going to really understand what went to the bottom of this. I thought long and hard about why I was really proud of that moment. On one hand, it really is... Your product does what it says it does. Of course, it's exciting. And you work very, very hard for things like this. And I think it correlating with the five-year anniversary was a a big milestone for us. That's awesome. Healthcare as a whole, I think this represents something much larger. And it sort of represents the shift of how hospitals can think of quality instead of viewing them as sort of an improvement process. Why don't we view it as sort of a never event process? Like, why Mm -hmm. do we tolerate these in the first place? And I was so proud of this. I mean, I, you know, I was, I don't want to say I cried in the background, but I was feeling extremely (laughs) And thankful and grateful to be in the world that, that I'm in right now, that I wouldn't trade it for anything else. That's so awesome, Mert. What a great story. And I love the shift in paradigm. You know, rather than say, hey, you know, let's reduce these to why are we having them in the first place? Exactly. I think that's such a great shift and a great transformation by that healthcare facility. Big kudos to them and kudos to you and your team for teaming up with them to achieve that. Now, tell us a little bit about an exciting project or focus that you're working on at SwipeSense. We've uh, recently decided to expand our capabilities as a company. Now, this is, again, a very, very early stage. We basically took a couple of our sensors about a year ago and started asking ourselves some critical questions around what additional problems we can solve in, in healthcare. 
And we have now a number of partnerships with our customers where they're utilizing our technology for things other than hand hygiene. One of those solutions that we came up with is basically a novel asset tracking system. Asset tracking has existed in healthcare for a long time. These are large infrastructure projects, and we're sort of trying to come up with sort of the, the portable version of asset tracking. How can we mm. do something that's quick and easy to deploy that almost becomes a, a, an afterthought. Even a department or a, a one small unit can just obtain the system for themselves. Now, we've done a number of rollouts, and we're certainly learning a great deal about people's behavior. But I started viewing the products, the mobile devices that exist in, in healthcare, almost as healthcare workers themselves. I mean, they have jobs to do. You know, an EKG monitor has a job in terms of serving a patient. Yes. Or an IV pump or a wheelchair. These are all things that have jobs as limited and, and singular as they are. And of course, they need the support and assistance of an actual healthcare worker. But it's really interesting to see some of these devices have shifts, just like healthcare workers. Some of them are busier than others. Some of them are lazier than others. And it's really interesting to look at that as products inside the healthcare, as things that almost like workers themselves with their own needs and maintenance, certain age and retention and longevity and so on and so forth. And we're sure. seeing very interesting parallels between devices that are overutilized and as a result have all sorts of issues versus devices that are simply overpurchased. And it's almost like you hired 20 extra nurses where you didn't really need them. Seeing this shift inside the hospital in terms of how they operate and their capital resources, and by the way, I don't even have to tell you this, these are not cheap things. I mean, an IV pump is and like a $10,000 unit or a telemetry module is thousands of dollars. To view these things uh, not as that's how we always purchase things versus, hey, let's have a really thoughtful analysis of what we do and what we don't do and plan intelligently for our next capital cycle is to me tremendously interesting simply because this data has never existed before. There was never a sensor on a particular device that told you this device gets used 10 times more than the other. This was a similar insight that we found out in our hand hygiene journey where we found out that certain dispensers are used literally 10 times more than the other dispensers. Some of them barely get used throughout the year and yet they're still there. Having that sort of a similar analysis on the products that you have inside the hospital is to me really, really exciting. Just a quick question. Are you guys taking some data output from the devices as well? Or is it, is it mainly just kind of like in use, out of use type data? It's in use, out of use data. So actually it okay. turns out something's location and their pattern of movement tells you a lot about okay. whether they're used or not. Because it's, again, very, very predictable. And EKG monitor does certain things when they're in use versus when they're not in use. So Got you can have a really good analysis about what their behavior and sort of their shifts, quote unquote, are looking like. And like I said, treat them as almost employees of your hospital as well and make better decisions uh, for their hiring. That to me is Love really it. exciting. Love it. That's very exciting. And with thousands of dollars being spent, millions and billions of dollars being spent every year. Asset tracking is key. Why not do it a little bit differently, folks? And it's a pretty interesting idea that Mert is offering up here. Again, Mert is the CEO of SwipeSense. It is all of the information that we're talking about is at SwipeSense.com as it sounds. Mert, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare today. The 101 of Mert Ezri. And so we're going to write out a syllabus with four questions, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? I'm ready. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> awesome. Let's go. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Peel the onion until you understand the core incentives of what you're trying to do. 
What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Assuming that it works in another industry, that it translates into healthcare. Love that one, my friend. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Obsessively, compulsively listen to healthcare executives and frontline staff. They know more than you will ever learn in your entire career as an entrepreneur in healthcare. Love that. And that's what we do here in the Outcomes Rocket. So keep listening. (laughs) What's one area of focus that drives all else in a healthcare company? How many lives have we saved today? No matter what we decide, it has to serve a patient. Beautiful. What book would you recommend to the listeners as part of this syllabus? The Hard Thing About Hard Things from Ben Horowitz. Love that. We've had that recommendation once or twice before. Let me do another one then if you already have this No, that's perfect. I mean, so what's the big takeaway for the listeners? Why should they read it? Keep going. It's dark. It's (laughs) ugly. It's the same for everyone. And what separates the good ones from the great ones is your ability to survive. I love that. I love that. Listeners, you can get this book link as well as the syllabus that we just put together for you. Show notes, transcript, all of that's available at outcomesrocket.health slash Mert, M-E-R-T. And Mert, this has just been a blast. I really appreciate your enthusiasm, your very fine tuned detail to what it takes to make healthcare better. Before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. Easy to get in touch with me is just simply M-E-R-T at SwipeSense.com. Mert at SwipeSense, uh, my first name and the email address of the company's URL. I'm more than open to connecting with folks who are in healthcare, who are thinking about getting in healthcare, very approachable. And I have office hours that are open to anyone on Sundays from two to five. Just pick an hour with me and I'll more than happy to sit down with you. In terms of um, takeaway, you know, one of the things that you realize after doing this for a number of years is the importance of the trust you have in the team and really how you should find yourself trusting and sort of leaning on on everyone else who makes magic happen. It's very easy to think that you're smart, brilliant, this, that, what have you. And it's really humbling to realize that you really are a small piece of this puzzle. And it's your relationship and the accomplishments of the team that's around you that matters the most. So I really have found to be tremendously helpful to build a dynamic inside the office that aligns people around the strong why, which is in our case, saving lives, but that ultimately gives people the freedom to basically follow their own interests and pursuits inside the organization. Yes, we have a common direction, we have a common North Star, but how we get there should be defined by the people around the table rather than simply me dictating, we need to do this and we need to do that next. That humbling realization, like I've said, is something that I've come to realize after a few years. I was very much the overconfident, let me get everything done type of an entrepreneur early on. And -hmm. I've certainly learned more to let go over the years and and trust the folks that are around me. It's been the thing that has been the most rewarding for me. And I really encourage all of our listeners to take a similar approach where surround yourself with extremely smart people and just get the hell out of their way. That is the best thing you can do as as a CEO to your organization. I love it, Mert. What a great message. Listeners, take note of that and be the leader that you are. Trust your team to deliver. Mert, there's no doubt you guys are doing outstanding things. Thank you so much for sharing them with us and uh, we're excited to keep in touch. Very, very excited. Thank you so much for the opportunity and I'm looking forward to the next episode. 
Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.